listeners, welcome to the 10x Growth Strategies podcast. I'm your host, Arthi Vijay Raghavan, a product leader, an avid reader, and a book lover. Today, we'll be discussing the book Tribes by Seth Gordon with our guest, Ms. Nidhi Gupta. The book explores the creation of tribes, how one can start a tribe and lead change. Our, Nidhi, our guest, Nidhi Gupta, is the CEO and co-founder of sheto.org. She's an engineering and a product executive who has built, scaled, and transformed companies. As an engineering and a product leader, she's passionate about building, growing, and thriving operational organizations that deliver world-class products at scale. Nidhi is committed to addressing the vast gender gap in engineering and spends all her time furthering this cause, and that is the motivation behind starting the tribe of CTO.org. So this is an apt book to be discussing with Nidhi. Welcome Nidhi to the 10X Growth Strategies podcast. Thank you so much, Aarti. Really great to be here and uh, talk about this amazing book. Thank you. Thanks, Nidhi. Um, I know I kind of summarized a brief bit about uh, yourself. Uh, do you, you know, in your own words, can you help our listeners with your own journey and, uh, you know, let us know about uh, yourself a bit? Yeah, of course. So I am an immigrant to the US. I grew up in India and I did my bachelor's in engineering in India. And to the US, I came to do my master's. Um, During my undergrad, I was, we were 10 girls in a class of 300. Uh, So it was sort of, you know, we always used to joke about this, that we are sort of aliens uh, on in this planet of my engineering college. Um, it didn't quite change when I came for my master's. I think I was the only girl in my master's program. Uh, and of course, that story that didn't change when I entered the tech industry. Um, you know, I've through the course of my career, so I sort of grew up in the tech industry, starting as an engineer, moving on to engineering management roles, and, you know, sub- subsequently getting to CTO and CPO roles. And Unfortunately, the picture just never changed. I I was just so used to being the only uh, or the double only in every single room that I walked into, being the only engineer, being the only engineering leader, being the only executive uh, in the boardroom. Um, And uh, I remember I was at um, Hired, I was the CTO and CPO at Hired, and I got invited to this intimate dinner of CTOs. And... I just, I, it was a busy day. I didn't pay attention to the attendee list and I walked into a room and to my utter shock and surprise, good surprise, I walked into a room full of 15 other women, 15 other women who were VPs and SVPs and CTOs. And I thought a lot about that dinner after. And I was like, why was I so shocked? And basically I was so so shocked because I myself, having been in the industry for as long as I had, had didn't even know so many of us existed, leave alone being being in a room with them. That's when I went to seek data. And I came across the study published by Gartner, which said that less than 9% of engineering exec roles are held by women. And right then and there, I sort of had this, uh, you know, epiphany where I was like, if 
for someone like me who's been in the industry for 25 plus years, if I don't know of 15 other female engineering execs, then how are we expected to inspire the next generation of women to enter the industry, stay in the industry and aspire for these higher roles? Um, so next, what came was an if not me, then who moment where I quit my day job, I quit hired and I embarked on this mission of CTO and I found a CTO. Okay, nice. That's a great segue, actually. And, you know, I think I was going to ask you, what is the reason for you to pick the book? But I think you kind of gave it in that itself. Uh, moving on, actually, one thing you touched on, one of the concepts defined in the book is, if you think leadership is only for other people, you're wrong, right? We need you to lead us. You are the leader. So what's your take on it? And, you know, in your career, I know hired and starting CTO was a pivotal moment. But when did you transform yourself from an individual contributor? Or when did you think of yourself as a leader instead of someone who is going to follow people? So, you know, it's very interesting. And I think that's the part of the book. There are many parts of this book that really resonated with me. And I think one thing that the author uh, says over and over again is you don't have to be in a position of power. You don't have to be in a position of authority. You can make an effect change if you're passionate about making an effective an effect change. So, which by definition is leadership. And I think each and every single one of us go through that through the course of our career, right? So very early on, I was at Bell Labs and we used to lead this. I used to, I was part of this team that used to lead this initiative across all of Bell Labs and the initiative was growing and we needed a leader. And I was an IC at the time. And, you know, one, my manager looked at me and said, Nidhi, you have leadership potential. And I'm like, me? What are you talking about? <laughs> and right then and there, she made me a manager, right? Yes. And I think oftentimes we mistake a title of manager as permission to lead, mm -hmm. but that isn't really the case because initially when I became a manager, I sucked as a manager because I was yeah. managing people. I was not leading people. And soon enough, I realized through my career journey that leading is very different from managing one. And second, nobody needs to anoint that responsibility on me to lead. And, you know, I'll give you a few examples. I was at this early stage startup, Moby TV, and we were 12 people in the entire company. And I was responsible for, uh, I was a VP of engineering there. And we didn't have a BD function. And in order for the company to be successful, we needed a successful BD arm. And I basically started leading BD because okay. it was just something that had to be done, right? CTO in many ways is the same. So I think in every stage of our career, at every leadership level, you can be a leader in your own right, regardless of your official title and your official responsibility. Yep. And I think I've seen that. I, I felt that even when I was an IC and I felt that in every stage of my leadership journey. Yeah. And, and I think one more thing which you brought up is also you don't need permission or a title. You just start on something and then you can you can make the way on it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, one more thing, right? Uh, you know, the concept of tribes, he started by uh, describing the person who had started the software movement and stuff like that. So uh, one of the negative things or things which I, what are you afraid of tribes? Like in terms of, is it attracting similar kind of people or is it attracting, you know, if maybe, uh, you know, going through the same stereotypes? Because in Silicon Valley, we all know there are tribes of people, there are tribes of networks, there are tribes of CTOs and, you know, VCs and stuff like that. What do you think is, you know, there are great good things, but what do you think is something which you have to watch out in a tribe mentality? Oh, that's a very interesting question. So I think, you know, tribe by definition is people with similar interests and passions coming together, yep. right? I think the flip side of a tribe is who controls the tribe, who influences the tribe and who leads the tribe, right? Mm -hmm. So at least through my experience with Shitio, uh, every group of people, no matter how big or small, they are looking for a leader. They are looking for a voice. Mm -hmm. So you can collect people together into a tribe, but if there is no leader or a platform for the tribe to come together, then the tribe will dissipate, right? The negative side of a tribe that he talks a little bit about is the negative side of a tribe is you need to make sure, at least for me, like for instance, I make sure that we are, we've come together a lot around a specific mission because tribes can very often more often can sometimes become very cliquish and uh -huh. very non-inclusive yeah. and if that's what you're going for great but if if you're if you're banding together around a greater purpose and a greater mission then it's about that mission. It's not about an individual's tribe, right? So for instance, when I look at CTO, I don't look at CTO as my company. Yes, I happen to be the CEO and co-founder. I started this, I brought people together, but I want the tribe to come together and, and create their own pathways towards as long as they are corralled around our central mission, which is closing this vast gender gap in engineering exact roles. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's really well put. And, and I think there are great examples in the book of how they make some tribes exclusive so mm -hmm. that it's very hard to uh, get into, uh, into actually. So I know we've talked about, uh, you know, typically whenever we have these interviews, we talk a lot about successes, right? So there is one thing which uh, the author talks about in the book is the difference between things that happen to you and things you do, right? So any insights on stories over there on any, any setbacks you wanted to share and how you tackled it? Uh, I feel that you learn more from setbacks rather than actually success stories alone, right? So yeah, 100%. And, you know, I will tell you at an emotional level, it is very easy to fall into the trap of, oh my God, this person is doing this to me. Oh my God, why is this happening to me? Uh, and I will tell you as a solo founder uh, and a, a career in leadership, I'll go down that track 
And then at some point, once I'm done moping and venting, to be very real, I'll sort of pick back, pick my spirits back up and be like, okay, so this has happened. Now, what do I do with this? Because there's nobody else who's going to do this for me. Right. And when I was in the auspices of a company, it was different. But as a solo founder, who there's nobody else. Right. And I think one pivotal point actually uh, is from CTO, CTO's uh, history. When we started CTO, CTO was not going to be a community. Okay. So the initial idea around CTO was to bring women together to form deep, intimate relationships with each other. And we were going, I was going to foster these intimate relationships through if, through very small events and through dinners. Okay. Our first dinner was November of 2019. I had a series of dinners planned uh, in Feb and March, uh, April and May of 2020, and then COVID hit. Yep. Intimate dinners went out the door, <laughs> right? Uh, a lot of 2020 was just about survival and was about regrouping and figuring out what this mission was going to be and if if there was a it was if there was still a need for something like CTO. And uh, in 2021, we started to do events. And the first six months we did events and if, and even then we didn't think about it as a community. It, it felt the need of the hour for, was for people. And as we did more and more events, more and more people wanted to join the community. And they and we were like, oh, looks like the need of the hour is for people to connect with each other in a more meaningful way. It was really towards the end of 2021, but I was like, oh, wait, I felt paralyzed. I was like, wait, the this is a tribe and now to like to now that this book has put everything in perspective I can use that terminology and at that time I did <laughs> have the terminology and I was thinking oh now this is a tribe that's looking for a leader and I was paralyzed because I wasn't sure that I was that leader and I don't yeah. I don't even think that I felt like I was I had the aptitude to be that leader because I'd never led a community before I'd never formed a community before right so through all these fits and starts and through many, many mistakes along the way, today here we are where we are the largest private community for women and non-binary engineering leaders. So all of the mistakes and all of the pivots through the course of this journey is what brought us here. And I don't think that I would have gotten here had I not gone through each of these pivots. Yep. Right. So I think sometimes you, you're 100% right. You need to learn from your mistakes. Uh, one of the things the book talks about is have faith, mm -hmm. right? So have faith in your mission and in your goal and that you will just plow through every single hardship that gets thrown your way. And then I think, and when you do in doing so, you realize that stuff is just not happening to you. You are making stuff happen. And even if stuff happened to you, you have enough faith and confidence to overcome that, to make stuff happen for you. 
Yeah, very nice, very nice. And as you said, right, there are so many such, you can actually take these pithy statements and keep it on your wall so that you can keep it as, you know, uh, practices or uh, what do they call uh, reassurances in the morning before you start your day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing, right, like obviously you you are passionate about getting owned women and stuff. Uh, in tech, especially, there are a lot of women in uh, product and engineering roles. But, you know, the ratio is obviously imbalanced. So how do you think tech gets transformed with women in leadership positions? Like, you know, what what do you think women get to the table and what do you see as a main transformational thing by having women in these positions? Uh, do you mean to say once women are in these roles, how does the picture change? Yes. And, and how, you know, uh, what are the benefits you yourself have seen in organizations by having a diverse, uh, diverse portfolio of people in the, in the leadership positions? Yep. yep. So, you know, I'm not going to cite stats because there are plenty of stats out there that mm-hmm. I'm sure people are familiar with. Right. So I will tell you just from my experience, um, I used to be the VP of engineer, SVP of engineering at this e- mobile commerce company. Uh, it was a company full of men including the leadership team uh, and the product team and hundred percent of our buyers are women. Mm-hmm. So hmm. <laughs> more often than not in these conversations, when they would come up with all these ideas, I'm like, that is not how, I mean, uh, maybe I'm a focus group of one, but that's not how I would shop. So perhaps we should go and interview some women who are going to be our buyer right? Um, another great example I have is from when I was at Hired, where um, forget the leadership, for, forget the executive leadership room. Um, when I joined Hired, uh, you know, as part of my, you know, coming up to speed, I was, you know, going through all the interview questions uh, that, we used to an- that we used to ask. And the coding question that we used to ask was to code a game of battleship. I'm an immigrant from India. I never played Battleship growing up. I don't know about you, Arthi. <laughs> I have played actually. So, so and now I have played because my daughter has played. Yeah. So I played with her, right? And back then my daughter was younger, so I had never played Battleship. So I asked mm-hmm. them to explain to me what Battleship is. And then I was like, okay, wait a minute. Now you're telling me if I if we're giving an hour for this interview, uh, if it somebody like me, you've I've taken 10 minutes to grok what this game is. So automatically I'm disadvantaged because I have 50 minutes to code this game as opposed to an hour. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Right. Mm-hmm. And that helped us make, uh, that made like a light bulb went off for the team. And, you know, we have made reasonable accommodations. And I'm like, you don't have to change the question. At least make a reasonable accommodation where if somebody is not familiar with the game of battleship, give them a choice or give them extra time. Right. Uh, Similarly, hired as a platform, you know, it shows search results for uh, software engineers. And we know that AI is trained on and our algorithms are trained on data that we see in the real world. And if the real world is biased, those biases are going to get factored in unless you normalize your data set on which you're training your algorithm. Right. So I really pushed to make sure that our algorithm was not biased and the training data set was actually equal from a representation standpoint. So 
these are these are the diverse perspectives that we want diverse voices to bring to the table. And that's one of the reasons why diversity is important. And that's why I hope that as we get more and more diverse voices in tech, it fundamentally changes the products that we build uh, and the mindset across all of tech. Yep, yep. That's that's really very well put. And, and as you said, it takes someone in the room or if you're not even part of the conversation, you are not going to represent be the representative of the people as well. So I think being there in the room and being part of the conversation will help you to bring the change required. Hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Uh, another thing, you know, obviously your vision and what you have uh, articulated as a simple uh, simple thing, which is articulated as leadership is do what you believe in, paint a picture, go there and you take on it, right? So obviously you have done that with CTO and, you know, you've given many examples, like in terms of uh, what, what do you see this as a growing to the next step? like, uh, you know, in the future, or how do you see this tribe growing? What is your vision for it? So I think at a very macro level, my vision is to close this, close this vast gender gap by accelerating careers of our members and building that high power network for them, right? Uh, uh, and I think I'll, I'll quote the book here, and I'll, pa I'll paraphrase the book here. I think in the book, it says, all you need is two things one person has more power than ever before today than mm -hmm. ever before because of all of the platforms that are for communication and mechanisms of communication that exist today. And the only thing that's holding you back is faith and that you can do it. Right? And I think I want to instill that in every single member of the CTO tribe. The other thing that I thought was extremely powerful in the book was use passion to bring people together. Check, we've done that, right? And empower them to communicate with each other. And that will create a movement. Yep. So I think it's a very simple formula in my mind. Bring people around the same passion together, empower them to communicate with each other, and that will create a movement. And I think in creating CTO, in, a, in like if I'm able to bring together everybody that, that's focused on the single mission of closing this vast gender gap, we've created mechanism and will continue to create mechanisms for them to communicate with each other and empower them to take on initiatives however they choose to and want to in order to further that mission, I think that all of these, these two things combined will create a movement that will make a material change uh, in this 9% number. Okay, cool. That is actually a great segue. You already told something which you were like clearly articulated, paraphrased from the book in terms of empowering and getting people together. Any other takeaways you want to call out from the book, which was like, Aha moment for you. Uh, this one is more personal, actually. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so there's two things, actually. So one of the things he, he talks about is challenging status quo requires commitment, both public and private. Yep. 
the reason why that's resonated is when I was, you know, even at hired when I was the CTO, I used, I don't think I, I don't think I was as vocal as I could have been around diversity or, or gender gap related issues, right? I think a lot of times we say we are passionate about something and we are investing our time on the side in mentorship or participating in communities or what have you, but we're not as vocal as we could be and we ought to be. So I think the public part definitely resonated with me where he's, he explicitly says challenging status quo requires commitment, both private and public. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I not, Now I avidly voice, uh, I, I, um, I publicly voice my thoughts and opinions in terms of you know, the lack of gender diversity in tech. And I speak on this issue quite a bit and I post on LinkedIn quite a bit. Uh, more often than not, I will get, uh, pings from just people I've never, never, ever met saying, thank you for that post. Thank you for seeing me. So just the other day, two weeks ago, I shared a post. I, you know, there was a picture of, uh, at a VC firm, there was a picture of, you know, a CTO get together and they were all men. And mm -hmm. I posted that saying, I'm not calling out this VC, but these are the kinds of rooms that we have lived in through most of my career. How do I tell my daughter that she needs to, she belongs in this room? Yep. And I got so many pings saying, thank you for calling this out. Thank you for seeing me. Because I think I am in a position where I have nothing to lose in many ways. And many yeah. women are afraid to articulate this. So I should use that position of power to give them voice. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was, a, it was a very, it was a, it was subtly mentioned, but I think it resonated quite a bit. And actually the other thing he said was, <laughs> it's nice to get paid. It's essential to believe. And this was really personal to me because, you know, I'm not getting paid. I left my day job, a rather lucrative job to found CTO. And I was like, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm not getting paid. That's okay. <laughs> uh, it's important to believe. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it was it was sort of validation, if you will. <laughs> that's, that's so true, right? Like, uh, I think the main part of what you told about both in public and private, I know a lot of people have the same attitudes in private, but are too afraid to voice it out public. So yep. having it out in both spaces shows your power. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, uh, the paid part, I think it will come <laughs> if you start <laughs> a movement, right? So that's how a lot of uh, movements got started. So, and, you know, there are great examples in the book about Keith Ferrazzi, about how Joel Sporsky started, all of those guys. I think those are great examples which he describes. So I'm sure you'll get there. I think, uh, thank you, Didi. There was a really engaging discussion, creating and growing tribes. Listeners, do check out the book Tribes by Seth Gordon. Thank you for being part of the 10x Growth Strategies tribe. Uh, I hope this book motivates you to start, find, and form your own tribe. Until next time, this is Arthi Vijayaraghavan with 10x Growth Strategies. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Arthi. Thank you, Nidhi. It was great. Thank you.